Welcome to Fandom Power. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to uh, Fandom Power Presents the uh, Fan Batch. <laughs> this is our episode 11. Yep. But we're covering the 12th episode That's right. of the Bad Batch. 12 of, what did we say? 16. 16. Wow. Man, that episode count thing that I talked about last week is really, really uh, rearing its head this week. In light of the, in light of this week's episode, I am really worried that uh, we're not going to get all the resolution that I want from this season. <laughs> we're going to get another season. <laughs> That's true. I am fully on board. I'm totally yeah. confident that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I might even be uh, recanting a little. I mean, that would be a perfect thing to push to the very end for a for a, a second season. Yeah, that dangled thread, especially if there's a long con. We don't want like you know we love going back fifteen years to to the beginning of Clone Wars and yeah. going whoa. So I, I'm you know if it's a long con, I'm I'm in for the long haul. So. Me too. I'm definitely in. Last week I said that the uh, episode or the show had taken a sharp left turn. This week I think it took a, another left, so we're actually going backwards now. <laughs> I don't mean that literally, I just mean narratively, like, whoa, what what the hell just happened? We're still on Ryloth, we, uh, we didn't get... So the way that this episode ends with people kind of going their separate ways did not give me the tragic conclusion i thought we were gonna get you're gonna have to wait for it i guess so they leave you with a little yeah. hope it even makes me wonder if there's something specific planned for hera by herself in the in the near future you know what why not i we know we know how be, instrumental she is it would be serious yeah and and i we understand from the last episode that these are all one narrative and they yeah. they have like they are very much like chapters within a, a large book. Like the Clone War is just a chapter and Rebels yeah. is just a chapter. So it's, you know, and with that, uh, they're chapters that when you read them out of order, it almost makes it cooler. I think so. It's definitely given me reason to go back and revisit. And uh, like I said, we've said it many times before. Every time you go back and you revisit these older episodes that, that directly connect or even indirectly connect to what we're watching currently just adds a lot more depth to it and and it's a it's a very enjoyable experience yeah it's true <laughs> well even disney plus is getting in on it because they've created lists of here's what you need to watch essential episodes yeah, for like ahsoka right. or that's the right, bad yeah. batch or the yeah, clone yeah. wars it's true just to I catch thought, you up. Uh, with respect to the marvel stuff they have the the, the chronological marvel timeline now oh that's good puts loki puts loki before wandavision Oh, interesting, sorry, I'm, I'm diverging, but interesting things for the multiverse there. So it's cool. I, I love what Disney's doing. It's sort of like meta, uh, you know, with the fly throughs and the things like that. So it's, 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 uh, brings the audience in. It's, it's, it's kind of nice. So this week's episode, it's, uh, it's episode 12. It's called Rescue on Ryloth. This one debuted, uh, Friday, July 25th, 2021. That runtime, man, they are sticking pretty close to the mark here. This one uh, goes 24 minutes, 48 seconds without your credits. A little bit longer with the credits at a whopping 29 minutes. 
This one's written by Jennifer mm-hmm. Corbett and is directed by Nathaniel Villanueva. Our synopsis. We'll nod to the uh, Clone Wars episodes featuring Ryloth because every single Clone Wars repos- uh, episode said uh, crisis on Ryloth. You know, rescue on Ryloth. Yeah, so yeah. It, it is a little, a little nod to the four or five episodes that actually were on Ryloth. Synopsis this week is uh, the Batch is tasked with a dangerous mission. Yeah, I guess is working as mercenaries. I mean, they're all kind of <laughs> everything's mission they, based. <laughs> they literally become the A team in this episode. They go from soldiers, yes, they do, to mercenaries to paid mercenaries to benevolent paid mercenaries helping random strangers out of tough situations. And like Hannibal I Smith, right? Love it, giving the money back. I could just, you know, the B team. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Becker is BA. He's afraid of heights. It's it's, it's so all becoming fun. clear now. That's so funny. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. You know, it's funny too because this week I was really, really taken back. We're going to get to it, but there's a, a, a shot of uh, I guess that makes Tech the Murdoch of the uh, of the group, and the way that he uh, shall I say push pushes the Havoc Marauder this week is definitely in the style of you crazy fool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 it's awesome, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get into this one. Okay, we open with a sh- an exterior shot of the uh, Capitol building on Ryloth. Inside the building, Admiral Rampart and uh, Captain Hauser walk down a corridor within the detention center. Stepping up to one of the cells, we see that Sham, Eleni, and Gobi are held within. Rampart, speaking smugly, tells Cham how unfortunate it will be for the people to see him fall, having attempted to assassinate Senator Ornfree Ta. Cham says the people won't believe his lies, but Rampart has the advantage and presses him further, adding that his loyal followers will be even easier to deal with, including his daughter. Interesting to note here, we get a little uh, get a little vibe off of Hauser this week, and the first the first little nod is kind of in this scene where Hauser kind of He's taken in what Rampart says, and he and he kind of gives him the double take, like, "What? What'd you just say? What? So you're gonna threaten a kid?" Yeah, yeah. Of course, he was present for uh, the events of last week's for this assassination attempt, and even then, right? I mean, it it's very clear. And he he, he goes on to mention it later in this episode how like that's not what happened. <laughs> so I mean, he's he's a conflicted character, and uh, he could be uh, ostensibly the the Rex of this series. In a loose kind of way. Mm-hmm. Turning his attention to uh, Eleni, Admiral Rampart says, You're the reasonable one. Tell me where your daughter is and I'll make sure she's returned to you safely. But Eleni says, uh, Eleni won't have anything to do with it. And standing up, she approaches the door and says, I've seen how you treat your allies, Admiral. I prefer to be your enemy. I really like that line. Yeah, me too. I got a lot more, a lot more images this week. I don't know why. Just for some reason, the uh, the narrative structure of my notes just kind of lent itself to a lot more. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot more said without being said. There is quite a bit of nuance. Again, the the show has been rife with it, but this episode's got uh, a fair amount going on. Having the last word, Admiral Rampart tells Eleni, "Have it your way," and walks away from the cell, leaving Hauser silently staring at the three Twi'leks for a moment before he too walks away. You can tell from this uh, 
this scene that uh, there's some conflict going on there, and he's definitely processing something. He just doesn't seem to yeah. have the words, uh, the words well, for he's it. Yeah, he's got to be torn at this point. Like he, I mean, you know, he even at the end, he he literally says, "I can't leave my brothers." But right now, he's he's like, "What the heck is happening?" He's yeah. trying to process this very quickly. There's a whole lot. Uh, I guess if you watch, his best interest to stay. For sure, you know where he is right now. <laughs> Jumping ship too early is giving everything dangerous. that happened in the last episode, and now trying to like reconcile with like what the hell just happened? Like somebody just shot right. that guy, and now the whole time thinking the right thing is going to be done here. Like they're going to get trial, yeah, and yeah, go yeah. or or found guilty, but then be have a benevolent prison sentence or something. Right, you know, right, right. He's hoping for the best at this point, but you can the, see in his face that he knows and the implication of what's happening here now. And of course, you know, given we talked about his uh his ideology and his his potential loyalty to cham and i i mean that's got to be sort of he's getting challenged on several you know uh ethical moral levels and you really see that in the animation again which is like the acting is yeah is big time yeah brilliant and subtle and and it's it's cartoon it's, it is it's yeah. so cool yeah. as admiral rampart and captain hauser depart the capitol building the flag officer instructs the veteran clone to round up the rest of Syndulla's sympathizers and arrest them. Hauser challenges his order, stating that the people are not insurgents. There's no cause to arrest them. Rampart says they're supporting a menace, and Syndulla's forces attacked their transport and shot Senator Frita. Stepping toward the admiral, Hauser challenges him more directly by asserting that he was there during the attack, and the shot didn't come from Cham, or any of his fighters. Then it's Admiral Rampart's turn to challenge Hauser when he says, Is that so? Then please enlighten me. Who is responsible? That's super rare for a clone to do that, too. I can only recall one other time in all of the, the lore where it's like a direct, which is Rex, and the uh, I can't recall the Jedi's name turned out to be a the forearms. Oh, the right, the guy who's the sa uh, same species as uh, Dexter. Uh, yeah, yeah, right, and it... it it was super hard for him because he, you saw Rex fight with, you know, we had to do the right thing, but the right thing is, you know, and, and for a soldier to, to have to think that way in the field about a commanding officer, not doing the right thing. It's, you know, it's, it's apocalypse now. It's, it, it was such a cool thing. And then you get to see that this is a rare event when a clone has this level of individuality. And I think what yeah. you said before about him and what we were talking about last episode as well as, him being that close to Rex is, is very on the mark. Very much, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. And like you pointed out, Hank, the removing of the helmet, he comes off multiple times. Yeah, and there's another thing that yeah. I think might lead to uh, the idea that there is redemption for Crosshair, and that's that Crosshair is constantly removing his helmet as well at this point. Is it is it suggestive of redemption, or is it, as you say, it's a cartoon, and so the acting comes across like the subtleties and the nuance come across through things not just in the dialogue but also through expression it's hard it's true but it's we, hard to express like, through a helmet most of the last three episodes he was in with his helmet on that most true yeah yeah just thought looking rather sheepish captain hauser replies i don't know mm -hmm. sir and rampart tells him to leave the thinking to me captain adding you have your orders with a yes sir Hauser snaps to attention, telling Admiral Rampart that he'll personally locate Harrison Dula. 
Rampart tells him that won't be necessary because another squad is already on that task. Frustrated at being hamstrung by the Admiral, Hauser furrows his brow before walking away. But as he does, Chopper, who has been concealed behind a stack of crates the whole time, rolls out revealing himself. He's in communication with Hera, and she now knows the Empire is actively hunting her. With a wipe transition, we transition to Hera. She's on a ridge overlooking her family home. She instructs Chopper to be quiet and then peeks over the ridge through her macro binoculars. In the courtyard, members of the Imperial Elite Squad report back to Crosshair that they've searched the house and there's no sign of the girl. One of the squad members proposes that she may have already left the planet, but Crosshair dismisses that idea, knowing that she wouldn't leave without her parents, and then demands the squad find her. Turning her attention back to her comm link, Hera calls to Chopper. With desperation in her voice, she tells him there's a new plan. They need to meet at the base and send out a transmission, and fast. Perfect. With another wipe transition, we move to the Havoc Marauder cruising through space. On board the ship, Omega struggles to repair Gonky. His primary power source won't fully charge, and Hunter tells her that she can't fix him because he's defective. Cheerfully, Omega tells the droid not to worry, because like him, they're defective too. <laughs> when a transmission from an unknown source comes in, Hunter orders Tech to put it through. It's Hera, and she's desperate for Omega's help. Hunter questions Omega about giving Hera their comm frequency, and Omega tells him that it was for emergencies, and this sounds like an emergency. Tech suggests maybe the situation isn't as dire as she thinks, but sometimes children can overreact. But Omega snaps at him, saying, No, we don't. You heard her. She needs us. Well, if you take Hera's... the message, it seems pretty dire. It's like, they took my parents, they're hunting me, yeah. I need help. Yeah, yeah. It's, there's a contrast here, though, because like what he says isn't, isn't untrue. Sometimes children do overreact. And then, you know, and then Hera, or not Hera, but then Omega immediately, I know she's not overreacting, but from an adult's perspective, no, we don't. And, and, yeah, and any adult no, totally. would immediately go, there you go. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's funny. What what does he base that on? Because he has this is his only experience with children. With children, yeah. <laughs> like and nobody's really overreacting too much. It's funny, but Hera gets her Princess Leia moment here. She does. Help me, Obi Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. And it's amazing. It's I, I, uh, you know just when you think about her kneeling in front of Chopper, recording the the dire message, and it's it's a direct link to that scene in A New Hope. It's it's so. I love stuff like that. I love uh, where it's a subtle nod. You might not get it if you're a casual fan, but that that's like hit me over the head with a with a butt end of a lightsaber. It's perfect. As I was saying uh, off camera before we started recording, how I uh, set up the uh, the image, how I insert them in my notes, I give them little little titles, and I actually for that image I actually wrote, uh, "Help me, Bad Batch, you're my only hope." So good. <laughs> Hunter tries to reason with Omega, telling her that it's a big galaxy. We can't put ourselves on the line every time someone's in trouble. But Omega shoots back, why not? Isn't that what soldiers do? Caught off guard by her reaction, Hunter stares at her for a moment before dropping his gaze. It's this literally like, uh. And it's a super important line, too, because this reflects what uh, Hauser's going through. Like, because he sees people in trouble that he knows are innocent. As a soldier, is it not his job to help them? 
Yeah, and then feeling like you're, you know, between a rock and a hard place and not knowing what to do. Absolutely. All right, returning to Ryloth, Tech maneuvers the Havoc Marauder through a narrow canyon, bringing it to rest inside a hidden cave. The cave is a former command outpost for Cham Sindula's resistance movement, and both Hera and Chopper are there to meet them. Hera thanks them for coming, and when Hunter asks her why the Empire is after her, she tells them because Cham Sindula is her father. Tech immediately recognizes the name of the freedom fighter. Hera tells them that the Empire has been targeting anyone who was loyal to Cham. And when Hunter asks her what does she want them to do, she asks them to free her parents from the capital. Desperately, she adds that her parents can pay them once they're out, but she has nowhere else to turn. Wow, that's, uh, I mean, it's, it's perfect. Like, uh, the stakes couldn't be higher. Uh, certainly for, for Hera, to, no, they couldn't. Right, and for them to, to, you know, this is the first time we see them take on, you know, where it's not even financially based or it's not, you know, because, Omega, I mean, inevitably it is because of Omega's comments, but it's not like we're not rescuing a direct family member. There's no, the stakes are nothing for them. This is episodic stakes for them, but yeah, they, they've, they've made that transition to, to the A-team style. Well, certainly. Uh, benevolent mercenary for hire. It's, it's, and this is, I think this is where they're going to sit too. I think that they, that yeah, yeah, where, yeah. You know what I mean? This is where we move forward in that kind of thing. If anything, you know, Omega in that in that analogy takes on the uh, the Amy role uh, to some degree. The the sure, rep- just like you said before, Barbara Gordon or Oracle. It's, yeah, it's sort of yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Amy in the A team, she was sort of the uh, the the lead getter, the the get us the job kind of thing. Uh, hey, mm-hmm. I found a thing, but it definitely leans into that. We talked last week about the idea that that Hera and Omega are essentially friends now, and that opens up this whole other avenue of storytelling, how they That's can right. now have like little adventures on their own. And this entire episode hinges on the foundation of that relationship, which we just found out is deeper than we thought, because nowhere in last week's episode was it revealed that she gave up their calm frequency. So, no, exactly. I mean, that's a huge level of of trust and maybe it's a (laughs) does that lean into the whole like you know the kid thing like you know i thought it was okay (laughs) or is it just they're they're going to be that close going forward so here they are the uh, new friends omega glances up at hunter and then walks over to Hera and gives her a nod hunter says they need to see what they're up against first adding that there's no guarantee Outside the Capitol building, a large crowd stands in the square. The square is guarded by at least three ATTE walkers, several clones, and a handful of Viper probe droids, which is kind of cool. We've seen them before. It's our, Is it the first time we've seen them in the Bad Batch? It might be. They might have been hovering in the background, but I don't, they, they certainly are prominent here. Viper, it, uh, yeah, go ahead, Eddie. Was it a different probe droid that they end up smashing in the jungle in, like, episode two? You know what? Maybe it is. Maybe it's the second time we've seen them. But we oh, certainly well, haven't seen it, them it in this kind, of, droid, yeah. this kind of uh, like numbers. Like, heavy surveillance use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the way back to uh, The Empire Strikes Back. I think back then we just called it the probe droid. Yeah. And then, I'm pretty uh, sure we saw it in on the jungle planet when they were going after Saw Gerrera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, what in in the Kenner uh, toy line it was referred to as the uh, probe probot. 
Probot. Probot. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So all the way back to 1980, the classic Imperial probe droid. And the then Black Series one is uh, sexy. It's so beautiful. I kind of was hoping yeah. that they were going to... You know what? I mean, I kind of hope they give us uh, this one, to be honest with you. Kind of nice. This yeah. is cool. This is the uh, 113K variant Viper. This one uh, this one showed up in uh, Star uh, Solo, a Star Wars story. Uh, and it kind of differs from the the original Viper in that it has a rotating blaster collar and some different manipulator options. But this one is definitely more militant. More tactical than... <laughs> yeah, big time. Than, right, big time. It's a super awesome update, though, to a classic, uh, classic design. Yeah, less of a probe, more of a weapon. Yeah, very much. From a balcony overlooking the square, Admiral Rampart addresses the crowd. He assures the people that while the assassination attempt on their senator has left them shaken, Orn Freetaw's condition continues to improve, and he's expected to make a full recovery. All right. There it is. There, there it is. Uh, so uh, Lords of the Sith remains canon for now. Yeah. And I, and like I said last week, his, de- his death in that is even suspect as it's off camera, if you will. When uh, the Star Destroyer that he's on uh, in a prison cell is destroyed by champs and duelist rebels. Yeah. So that's that's sort of where they leave his... I'm going to talk his... about him a little bit later. There's another scene coming up here with Rampart that uh, made me go, oh, we talked about that last week. <laughs> mm. <laughs> From a vantage point, uh, high above the square, Hera and the Bad Batch observe the Admiral's speech. Tapping into the city's broadcast, Chopper is able to relay the Admiral's audio signal to the group. The Admiral reassures the people that the perpetrators of the assassination attempt have been captured and will be brought to justice. Hunter questions, assassination attempt? And Harris says, that's not what happened. Hunter gestures to the batch, and the clones step back from the ridge to discuss their options. With the plasma bridge to the city having been deactivated, Going in on foot isn't really an option. Wrecker suggests that they use the Havoc Marauder to blast their way in, but Echo points out that the capital scanners would detect them. Tech adds that the troop composition here is similar to that of Raxus, pointing out that this is definitely a military occupation. And just as he says that, Hunter hears something and he's like, he kind of gives a, a hand gesture, wait here. It's almost like a Wolverine moment. He catches a scent on the air. Almost. And then uh, next thing you know, we get uh, this scene. A Viper probe droid has spotted the batch, removing any element of surprise that they may have had. And even though Hunter has been able to destroy the droid using one of his knives, it almost certainly has already transmitted their position. You get the legacy line, a little little variation on the legacy line there. Of which? It's... uh... The Empire knows we're coming. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He, he literally says the, the Empire knows we're, we're here. We're here. Yeah, for sure. Another thing to point out, though, Omega, she's scanning the crowd, too, and she yeah. points out, hey, she does. Yeah, there. crosshairs here. So, <laughs> down in the square, one of the elite squad approaches Crosshair. The trooper hands him a data pad, and Crosshair sees the recording of the Bad Batch. Knowing the, the sector that the footage was recorded in, Crosshair lifts his head, looking over the crowd directly at the rocky outcropping where the Bad Batch was just hiding. The little uh, the Orabesh in the screen this week, it's pretty simple. It says uh, playback. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just a recording that's been uh, been shown back to them. 
Back at the cave, a disturbed Hera mentions that all her father wanted was peace, questioning why is this happening? Echo points out that because Cham is a voice the people will stand behind, Hera tells him that she doesn't care about any of that and all she wants is to have her parents back. As uh, Tech and Chopper step off the Havoc Marauder, Tech informs the group that they are all over the Imperial comm channels and the patrols in the city have been increased. Hunter remarks that Crosshair will expect an attack, adding the element of surprise is gone and there's nothing more they can do. Hera desperately tells them, you can't leave! And Hunter reminds her that there were no guarantees, adding that they can get her off-planet and take her somewhere safe. We talked about a little bit about the difference between, you know, strategy versus tactics, and, and is Hunter the, the, the strategist, or is he the tactician? And the lines get kind of blurred here, especially after the uh, the uh, the hollow chess ep- episode where, you know, I'm good at strategy, it's... Uh, you know, it's a strategy game. I'm good at that. That's right. I kind of wonder what's motivating Hunter. Is it strictly like this is just not a favorable, <laughs> this is not a favorable situation for us to be in? I would think so because he knows Crosshair's here. He knows there's an increased military presence. Yeah. And that puts Omega in danger. I guess so. so his... I just think, you know, like in the limited amount of time that we have, uh, you know, spent with the batch, they've gone up against, you know, equally as much. In terms of troop composition, I mean, we just left, uh, uh, what's his name, Senator, what's his name from, uh, true. And I mean, that they were, they were being chased by walkers and, and like the never ending, you know, supply of troopers. And I'm thinking, what, what's the, what, what made that one okay and this one not? Omega wasn't there. I guess so. And that, I don't know, almost dad like instinct is like, get my kid out of harm's way now. So does that, you know, I guess that on a technicality, because I mean, that whole, uh, the whole setup was if you beat me at chess, you can come on the missions, Yeah. but that doesn't say anything about how he's going to handle himself or handle her. Well, he's still coming to terms with having her as a soldier. Yeah. 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 Right. And the, and the, the, the risk reward on the last mission was literally, uh, you're still working towards paying off your debt and this, there is no. You, you know, there is no sort of risk reward. The personal stakes are nothing but what Omega makes them feel guilty about. So, <laughs> right. So literally like so there true. is no reason to put the, the girl and everyone in danger when the, the, the strategic thing is I'll take you off planet. Right. Uh, where you right, can right, be right. safe and, and maybe figure out, but uh, you know, just like Hera and, and, and always being the character that we know her from rebels. She's right. She's not having any of it, and she'll no, be No, no, she's ready to be in the thick of it. Into the thick of it! All right, so Hera grasps Hunter's forearm, begging him to stop. She offers to pay him double, but Hunter tells her that all the money in the galaxy doesn't matter if they're dead, that what she's asking them to do isn't worth the risk. Hera replies, not to you, and as her voice trails off, she turns to walk away. So I, uh, this is one of those cases where I had to go back and, and replay the segment a few times to, to capture this image because I wanted to get, I really, really wanted to get the, uh, the expression here from, uh, Omega. Look at the, look at the glare in her eyes. <laughs> yeah. At this point, a very angry and dare I say pissed off Omega chastises Hunter telling him, you shouldn't have said that. With his analytical thought process, Hunter tells Omega that being strategic 
means knowing your limitations, but Omega shoots back that she's trying to save her family, and I'd do the same for you. Yeah. I just love how uh, she just grew up right before our eyes. (laughs) So angry in that scene, and it's so well depicted so well. Back at the Capitol building, Captain Hauser has just reported to Admiral Rampart that he's been able to round up some of Champs and Dula's supporters, but the Admiral tells him that's not good enough. Hauser adds that if they continue to round up peaceful citizens, it will incite an uprising. But Rampart coldly says, and they will be arrested too. Peace has a cost, Captain. Mm. So now we're coming up on that, uh, that scene. So... As the two men enter Ornfree Ta's office, and we know it's Ornfree Ta's office because the same plate of fruit is on the desk. <laughs> Crosshair is already there waiting for them. As the Admiral sits behind the Senator's desk, Crosshair tosses him a data pad, telling him that Clone Force 99 is on Ryloth. He tells the Admiral that they were spotted near the capital, but Rampart dismissively tells him there's an entire battalion of troopers outside. Crosshair insists that's not enough, knowing what the Bad Batch is capable of. Last week, I had uh, theorized that there's a chance that uh, Senator Ornfrita is already dead, and that if uh, Rampart just went out to the the people and said, he's in the hospital, he -hmm. could effectively sit there there on on the throne indefinitely, and him, him sitting behind that desk certainly kind of lends itself to maybe that is what's happening. For me, it was just like, oh, it it, it lets him be alive in that novel when we actually it, think it he does. dies later. It, it, it does. satisfies both things, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rampart retorts that uh, he's more concerned about what Crosshair is capable of, adding that because his squad has been unable to locate Hera, he suggests that he stays on task or he'll find someone else who can. Turning, Crosshair locks eyes with Captain Hauser and shoots him a menacing glare before gathering his equipment uh, to leave the office. In a dark corner of the cave, Hera and Chopper talk about what just happened between them and the Bad Batch. Chopper barks something at her in droid speak, and Hera shoots back that she doesn't need a lecture, adding that she didn't give up, he did, in reference to Hunter. Just then, Omega approaches, and she tells Hera that Hunter means well. She adds, don't worry, he'll come around. And when Hera asks her why she trusts him so much, Omega tells her, because he's my brother. They all are. That's pretty cool. It's the first time that she's actually, like, vocalized that, that they're siblings. And, yeah, uh, right. That's <clears throat> cool. I think we, as the audience, you know, we, we see this whole... Hunter Omega father daughter thing, Wrecker Omega right. brother sister thing, but she acknowledges she sees them all as brothers. So that's that's kind of cool. That's right. Yes. Omega then tells Hera that she can trust Hunter as well. All they need to do is come up with a plan and convince him. And when Hera asks Omega why would Hunter listen to her, she tells her because it's strategic. Hera knows Ryloth better than any of them. Makes sense. Meanwhile, at the detention center in the Capitol building, Captain Hauser secretly pays a visit to Cham, Eleni, and Gobi. Cham derisively remarks, so this is the side you have chosen. Hauser shoots back, you both attacked an Imperial convoy. What did you think would happen? Eleni interjects, saying that uh, Ornfri Ta gave them no choice, and they had to protect Hera. 
doing a double take up and down the hallway, Hauser leans in and quietly says, that's what I'm trying to do. Hauser tells them that Rampart has a squad out there searching for Hera. And if they know where she is, they should tell him so he can protect her. Cham steals himself and steps toward the ray-shielded door and questions Captain Hauser. Like how you swore to protect Ryloth? We trusted you, Hauser. I won't make that mistake again. Hauser pauses for a moment, turning his gaze downward before walking away. That part hurt him. You think? I think so. He's speaking to all the clones there, too, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's speaking to the- He's like he's literally saying you were a you were a liberation force and now you're an occupying force. Yeah. How, how do you sleep at night? And you know what? From Cham's point of view, it's it's certainly deserved. And maybe on some level, Hauser kind of you know it's a part of the catalyst, part of the uh, the decision making process to you rarely insult someone you don't know. That's true. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. Back on the Havoc Marauder, Hera and Omega lay out a plan to rescue Hera's parents. The idea is to attack the Imperial Refinery, which will draw reinforcements from the capital city, creating an opportunity for the Batch to slip in and free the Twi'leks. The scene with Chopper projecting, you know, Hera coming up with the plan, and it, it's straight out of Rebels for me. Yeah, Perfect. very much so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like this scene. After assessing the refinery's defenses, it's decided that Chopper will slip inside and disable the autocannons, while Hera and Omega will act as a backup. Then, Tech and Wrecker will attack the refinery from the air using the Havoc Marauder, while Hunter and Echo scale the capital city walls in an attempt to free Hera's parents. At the refinery, a shuttle lands and a group of Twi'lek workers and several astromech droids, including Chopper, get off and head toward a checkpoint. But sticking to the plan, Chopper deviates going around the checkpoint, avoiding the guards, and smoothly hops back in line on the other side. That's really, really smooth for him, considering how spastic he is in Rebels. <laughs> yeah, he's he's next level. I, I, I really love that character a lot. And maybe even more than R2 in a lot of ways. As proto-R2-D2, I... I love him visually. I think he's great. Uh, the fact that he is, you know, he's all the sass of R2 amped up to 100. Yeah, Lauren <laughs> has a theory that he's actually just like a, a psychopath. He, he, <laughs> he indiscriminately murders droids all the time. That's so like true. All the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's going to yeah. do it in this episode too. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> In fact, in fact, spotting an astromech droid at a computer terminal, Chopper quickly stuns the droid <laughs> and attempts to deactivate the cannons with his uh, scomp link. But the, the little droid is unable to complete the task, and uh, just as he radios in, uh, a pair of troopers take him into custody. Hera and Omega, who have been watching the whole scene unfold through their Mac or binoculars, insist they have to help Chopper. Omega says they will but they have to get the console offline first. And when Hera asks, how are we going to do that? We get this little scene as the uh, the shuttles are lined up. And it's literally a uh, take your pick kind of moment. This episode of Fandom Power is brought to you in part by CollectorsPlatoon.ca. CollectorsPlatoon.ca, organizers of the annual Toronto Collectors Platoon Toy Show. Check out CollectorsPlatoon.ca, the Canadian home of Ian's Display Accessories, 
specializing in action figure stands for figures of all scales. Visit collectorsplatoon.ca today. Omega pointing at the row of attack shuttles says, uh, with one of those, adding that uh, you said you wanted to be a pilot, right? Meanwhile, Hunter and Echo scale the capital city walls, and just as they reach the top, a trooper, who just happens to be guarding the wall, spots Echo. As he looks over the edge at Echo, the clone comically asks, A little help? But before he can react, uh, the clone is distracted by another voice. Having already subdued the guard's partner, Hunter diverts the trooper's attention with a simple, Hey, and quickly knocks him out. (laughs) All right. Back at the refinery, the two girls dart out of the shadows and take a lift up to the flight deck. They quickly board one of the shuttles, and as they attempt to steal it, Tech radios Omega, wanting to know if Chopper deactivated the perimeter cannons. Omega replies sheepishly, No, but Hira and I are working on it, adding, Just don't shoot down our shuttle. Hmm. Do, we, do we know what kind of shuttle this is? It looks like it's somewhere between the, the it's, Omicron uh, class. It is an the... Omicron, but it's carrying some... Uh, when you see it flying by, it looks like it's it's got a like a sea container underneath like it's yeah and linked it's to got one. a sort of almost a different cockpit like it almost looks like a an adat kind of cockpit yeah i'm like a it's like a bridge between the tidarium style shuttle and the the actual omicron attack shuttle you know what maybe that that's a that'll make for a good post this week is we'll uh we'll post up some contrast shots between the uh, the havoc marauder and the basic omicron yeah. sort of side by side for sure, it's not, we can't understate it enough that the first time Hera gets to fly on her own, it's an imperial she shuttle. An imperial shuttle, and there can't be a better genesis for her life as the the best rebel pilot going. In fact, guys, I don't know if you know this, she flies head to head with Han Solo in a friendly competition and destroys him in the comics. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, that is awesome. That's really awesome. It's awesome. What's hilarious in this is remember last week where, you know, cool, cool Uncle Gobi, I was going to let you fly. And uh, <laughs> he's like, no landings or takeoffs. You're not ready for that. So right, well, right. There, there's no one around this week. And so she's got to do the do. And uh, unfortunately, it doesn't work out for them. Yeah, you get the little Force Awakens moment where it's like uh, where Ray's using the Falcon to just level things yeah. <laughs> right close to the ground there. A little chaos. She basically slams into a parked car. Uh, (laughs) With the shuttle now powered up, Hera grabs the control stick and attempts to lift off. Of course, this being her first takeoff, things don't go exactly according to plan. Uh, And she slides the ship laterally, slamming into another shuttle parked directly beside them. Then, overcompensating, she puts the craft into a flat spin, careening over the heads of the panicked workers below. And I mean, they are like, ah, literally like freaking out. Finally, gaining control of the uh, the shuttle, Hera is able to maneuver it towards Chopper, who's still under guard. An alarm klaxon rings out, and a guard pipes in that there's been a security breach. As the two troopers guarding Chopper stare in dismay at the shuttle hovering in front of them, Chopper wastes no time in stunning both of them. <laughs> nice. It's the same alarm klaxon as the Death Star. Big time, yeah. The original. Yeah. It's a very common... Through Clone Wars, it was the same klaxon on all the Star Destroyers. That's like, right. They must have got a, a package deal on a ringtone or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, yeah. Because not only is it the same at the refinery, but it's also at the capital city now when the alarm goes off yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, That's true. That's very true. So with a uh, clear line of sight from the shuttle, 
Hera squeezes the trigger using the ship's cannons to destroy the power generator, knocking out the perimeter cannons. Dropping the front ramp, Chopper is able to leap on board the shuttle. As the shuttle pulls away from the refinery, Tech contacts Omega, saying, They've detected several explosions near the facility. Omega replies, That's us. The cannons are down. Cleared to start their attack run, Omega cheerfully tells Wrecker to do some damage, and the big man laughs as he says, I can do that! I have to say, this sequence here, I wish I wish we could do like full motion video. I wish we could just show this sequence because this is <laughs> one of the most good. visually satisfying sequences uh, I've ever seen. You know, like yeah. to, to, to equate it to something sort of modern 20th century like it's almost like a helicopter gunship sliding in you know doing like this this uh, assault on the ground but like yeah the way that he pushes the havoc marauder so i have a whole lot more i mean i've always said that tech is my favorite of the batch and even more so now knowing that uh you know for somebody who's so analytical he's like borderline nuts <laughs> well he's got the line of the episode too here of course they're of course they can't keep up with the crazy erratic flying yeah, unpredictability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know that's the best line of the episode actually and he likened it to uh to go back to the a-team bit yeah does this not put tech in the murdoch seat well that's what i said i mean he's totally yeah. the murdoch in this and now you yes. know when you say that take the glasses off and look at him like he kind of has the look too <laughs> <laughs> Having dropped to near ground level, Tech cuts the thrusters, throwing the Havoc Marauder into what can only be described as a power slide, bringing the aft of the ship in line with the perimeter defenses. Wrecker gleefully destroys at least two of the cannons and a clone turbo tank in the first pass. And that's all it takes for the refinery to call the capital for reinforcements. An alarm sounds out in Admiral Rampart's office as Clone Captain Hauser bursts in to tell him the refinery is under attack. Rampart tells him he'll deal with it and orders Hauser to stay there and protect the city. One more thing to point out. When uh, Tech does that power slide, yeah. for half a second, you notice Wrecker in the back. He's about to bang his head, but he protects. Oh, did he? He protects this. Oh, I missed that. that. That's so, awesome. I did catch the, uh, you know, where they're just kind of hovering there, and then he just jams the throttle, and even he's taken back like, whoa, by the acceleration as they dive towards the ground. I thought that was just such a pretty sweet, yeah, sweet, sweet awesome. moment. Yeah, yeah. With the Capitol building in chaos, Hunter and Echo are able to reach the detention level and cut the ray shielding to the cells. Gobi recognizes Hunter and says, what are you doing here? Hunter tells him he's there to uh, break them out. Cham questions Gobi, you know these people? And Gobi replies, they're mercenaries, but I didn't hire them. Hunter tells them that Hera did. At the sound, <laughs> of, his, at the sound of his daughter's name, Cham pushes forward and asks, where is she? Is she safe? Back at the refinery... Wrecker and Tech, on board the Havoc Marauder, continue to strafe the refinery while the girls, on board their own shuttle, dart back and forth. Hera remarks that she's getting the hang of it, and Tech comically replies, Yes, your dangerous and uncontrolled maneuvering is as confusing to them as it is to us. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Uh, I had a good, so good, good chuckle at that. At the Capitol building, members of the Elite Squad, along with Crosshair, rush out to board a shuttle. 
that's been dispatched to support the refinery. Crosshair orders his troops to stop, and when one of them questions him saying that the Admiral ordered them to defend the refinery, Crosshair deduces that's not their target. Standing there watching the remaining shuttles depart, Crosshair realizes it was all just a ruse for the prison break. And we get another shot of his head this week right there. You with do, the yeah. the light just really glistening off that. It's, uh, uh, having gone back and looked at it several times over the last week, it's a very Freddy Krueger. Welcome to my world, bitch. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But Crosshair isn't the only one paying attention, as Captain Hauser has been watching from the balcony. And when Crosshair and his troops don't leave with the other shuttles, he rushes back inside the Capitol building. Inside the building, Hunter and Echo lead the Twi'leks toward escape. But outside, Crosshair's troops, armed with riot gear, stack up in formation just outside the underground entrance. While across the courtyard, Crosshair takes up a sniping position from the balcony of Ornfrita's office. As the clones are about to lead the Twi'leks out to the courtyard, Captain Hauser calls out for them to stop. He warns them that there's a squad waiting for them outside, but Gobi questions him, asking, why should we trust you? Removing his helmet, Captain Hauser says, because I'm on your side, adding that what the Empire is doing is wrong, and they need to get out of there. Hmm. With all the exits blocked, there's only one way to get out, and that's by using Senator Frita's personal shuttle sitting atop one of the building's towers. Eleni beckons Hauser to go with them, saying that the Empire will know that he helped them, but Hauser refuses to leave his squad. He says they're good men, and he has to try to get through to them. On board the Havoc Marauder, Tech is relieved when uh, Hunter radios in to tell him they have alternate transport and they're to meet at the rendezvous. Relieved because there are several Imperial vessels inbound. At the Capitol building, Crosshair's forces are surprised and lower their weapons when the underground doors open and Captain Hauser strides out all by himself. thing here uh, with Crosshair, he's kind of playing chess. Like, he yeah. thinks he's a couple moves ahead of Hunter, and he's yeah. laid a trap for him. Yeah. And I got a theory at the end of this that uh, could be where it's going. The end of the season or the no, end this of the episode? The episode. Okay. Yeah. Just to this come back around. This seems very reminiscent of uh, Rex trying to talk to, some sense uh, into uh, Jesse. To Jesse. Yeah. Uh, in the uh, finale of uh, Clone Wars. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, but I mean... That whole, uh, you know, the elite squad versus the, the I want to call them the regs, the, the white armored clones, the, the right. front line troops, as it were, that, you know, are essentially Hauser's troops. I guess that's, that goes back to that whole thing about, you know, clones, uh, clones who got Order 66, you know, now that the order has been triggered, you know, are they just regular dudes again? Like, does right. it, have right. they, has it been long enough now where... We don't have a Jedi around here, so everything's cool. Right. And nobody's really dissenting, so there's no, nothing, there's no. no trigger present. Right. So this, well, that was my theory about Cut, too. Yeah. I've just well, never been exposed to the trigger. No. Uh, the captain makes an appeal to the regular clones in the squad. He questions, what are they doing? They came to Ryloth to free the planet from Separatist control, and they did that. But now they're being ordered to target the very people they were sworn to protect. Throwing down his blaster, he refuses to be part of it anymore and calls out, Who will stand with me? And apparently his speech is quite inspiring as at least eight clones throw down their riot shields and blasters and step out of ranks 
to join him. Dropping your weapons is a strange choice here. I, I guess it's it doesn't it wouldn't matter. The the odds are insurmountable anyway, unless every single person there dropped. But it's very it's a strange. I know it's symbolic. Yeah, oh yeah. But it's a strange gesture. And this is where I was like, I'm surprised that Crosshair just didn't like bullseye him right. Yeah, because kind of uncharacteristic yeah. of him at that point because we've seen him before. Almost. You know, good soldiers follow orders, and if you don't, yeah, exactly. From his position on the balcony. Crosshair orders the remainder of his troops to arrest the traitors. At the same time, a hangar door opens up on the side of one of the towers and a shuttle darts out. Crosshair tries to shoot at it, but his rounds go wide, missing it completely. Another uncharacteristic moment for him. That he missed. Yeah. Especially after he mm. bullseyed the uh, the Pantoran fighter in the previous episode. Yeah. In, the, in the engine, yeah. yeah. It's a cool-looking ship, too. A little... Yeah, a little luxury... Uh, Yacht kind of thing. It remi- it gives me the vibe of the, I guess you could call it the the bus, <laughs> the bus that wheeled up when Obi Wan and Anakin stepped off. Yeah, that's you right. Know, oh, it's, this is your time with the politicians. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In another city far away from the capital, the Havoc Marauder and the Senator Shuttle are docked in an underground hangar. As Hunter approaches the Syndulas, Eleni holds out a credit case, offering him the payment that Hera had promised. But Hunter tells her to keep it. They'll need it more. Reflectively, Cham remarks to Hunter that uh, he thought he'd fought his last war. But the people need them now more than ever. And they must get organized. Hunter tells him that's not something the Bad Batch can help them with. And looking back at his squad, he remarks that he has his own people to look after. Looking at the children, Eleni remarks that if a war is coming... It will be their fight as much as ours. As the adults go their separate ways, the girls are left to say goodbye. Omega is sad to see Hera go, but tells her, I'm sure I'll see you around. Adding, keep an eye on your brothers. They need it. Hera thanks Omega for believing in her, and the girls hug one last time before parting ways. As the shuttle lifts off, Omega sadly waves goodbye. Didn't realize that they were there was that much disparity in their height. It didn't seem like they're that in the first in the first episode, but looking at this, even in earlier scenes here when she's standing like right next to her, I know when they both hop in the shuttle. Kind of had the high ground in the first episode. I guess the opposite of this scene, but yeah, no, I uh, when I got lost that I thought that we had seen basically a toddler of Hera in the Clone Wars. I I yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, wow, she seems to have aged. And I was like, how is she figure like she's probably 15, 16 there kind of? We should probably address that too, because there's probably some people out there who still think that in the Clone Wars that that little girl is Hera, but we know that it's not. It's another character (laughs) uh, by the name of Numa. And uh, so Numa shows up. She was discovered by a pair of clones on Ryloth during the, uh, the, that episode or that arc. Waxer, and I can't remember the other clone's name. Yeah. And they, essentially turn her over to uh, Cham's resistance cell, who basically look after her and raise her because Numa's parents had been killed. That's right. So Numa turns up again in the episode of uh, Rebels, the one where Hera goes after her mom's uh, Kalakori, and she's actually a grown woman hanging out with uh, Gobi. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, not not Hera. Numa. (laughs) Not Hera. Not Hera, yeah. You know, this is her canonical first appearance then. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yes, it is. All right. 
At the refinery, Admiral Rampart surveys the damage from a catwalk. Crosshair approaches from behind and removes his helmet. Without turning, Rampart tells Crosshair that he underestimated his four friends, lamenting if only they were fighting for us instead of against us. The first time you get to see any of his vulnerability there. That look on his face in the image you're on right now, is he's crazy worried about how oh, four yeah. clones just did this. Yeah. I, still, I don't get the whole if only they were fighting for us thing instead of against us because, you know, Rampart is right up Tarkin's behind in the whole we don't need clones anymore. You know, they, they Well, don't... maybe even personally to him, like, you know, these very dark side-ish, you know, I know they're Imperial, but like that the idea of usurping your commander to become the, the bigger commander is just... Oh, that's not, true. You know, yeah, it's yeah. every villain's dream to take over for the, the bigger villain and be yeah. that big villain. Well, I mean, Krennic and Tarkin had that relationship, Vader, Palpatine, you know, the, right. the so whole Sith it's thing. It's not a stretch to go, he's like, you know, willing to skirt the rules to make himself more powerful. Right, right, right. And as we wind down this episode, we are kind of left with this really sinister image of uh, Crosshair who, without so much as a blink, coldly asks for permission to hunt them down. Rampart, turning to face him, says with a sneer on his face, permission grunted. Almost like it was like with, uh, like, yeah, go get them. Like, he's just pissed off. Mm-hmm. And again, this mm-hmm. week, it's a, it's not a fade out. It's a, it's a straight cut. And yeah, uh, the, cut. the episode ends. So, a uh, double left turn uh this episode. We've we've now we're now traveling in a different trajectory than what we thought we were, but there's yeah, certainly room forgot about this. Yeah, I mean forget about this. <laughs> I can't I can't though. I can't forget about it and I just I know. Yeah. The more zigs and zags we take, the the more I have difficulty trying to connect those dots and like, oh, I thought we know where we were going and now I right. now I don't. Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of nice, though, because I I don't want it to be too predictable. uh, Right. Like we were hitting the mark super close and it was almost like, oh, you know, and so I I like having my expectations subverted. Yeah, uh, me too. Depending. I mean, absolutely depending uh, on on things. And I like things that where the uh, interpretation is gray so that you can you can have many interpretations. of it. Yeah. And I mean, this definitely... uh this leaves a lot of those like what ifs uh, questions that we had in the last week or so this episode leaves most if not all of them kind of wide open uh no right and i strongly think that since rampart has chosen ryloth to be his sort of base of operations that we may return here before the end of the season and we probably will see elaney that that tragic ending event yeah yeah I think so, to some level. I mean, uh, Cham left with that whole, we have to get organized. And we, we know from Rebels that uh, he does go back because he's still fighting for uh, the, the planet's uh, independence at that time when Hera goes back. So that's a long time because that's like uh, three years, three years prior to uh, the Battle of Yavin. So, I mean, there's a lot more time for him to go back and, and do stuff and and for that Certainly. tragedy Certainly. to play out. Absolutely. As it stands right now, it's still an off-camera event until uh, something else happens. That's right. Now I'm not so it, sure it if they're... Certainly, gonna... it, le- it leaves the door open to a, a Harris Syndulla, you know, driven 
yeah show which yeah that'd be cool too all that these things could be, yeah 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 i still think that uh she and omega you know could uh ideally i think you know having it would be pretty awesome if hera and or jason turned up you know in the mandalorian or in the ahsoka spinoff you know in that whole like bringing ezra back arc Certainly. that we've all kind of anticipated I, you know and i got a little head cannon going on where the jason Sindula is the padawan of ezra bridger and it's it's a happy little story i'll tell you what that's pretty <laughs> cool yeah 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 and, that's yeah. pretty awesome the, uh you know the other i guess the other biggest thing in sort of nerd culture is not necessarily star wars but it's in the disney wheelhouse did everybody catch loki's finale Yep, I I did. I was uh, I was late to it, but I did finally see it, and uh, suitably impressed. I I like the, the sort of disambiguous nature of uh, who exactly the villain was, and I don't know if you guys have only personal yeah. theories or anything, but oh, I've um, got some personal theories on that. I don't Not know quite enough. Kang the Conqueror. I don't yeah. know enough about the uh, about the character, yeah. but I do know that it's the, that is the actor that's been confirmed to play Kang. And when he says one hundred percent, he in, is in the Ant Man movie, and uh, the the statue you get at the end is one hundred percent in the Kang gear, yeah, minus yeah, the, yeah. the helmet. Yeah, but that that character right there is is the descendant of Nathaniel Richards and actually Immortus. If you look oh, at his okay. costume, okay. he's dressed as Immortus there, and the, Marvel does qualify that he who remains. Right is uh, is the same character as Immortus, and and there are you know many versions of Immortus, many versions of Kang, many versions of Nathaniel Richards, and it it I think that they might have to stream it, line it a bit because it's very heady stuff, right? Um, but you you get to see like that the stakes now <laughs> are so like instead of one Thanos to deal with, you know where where that guy is has taken out half the life in one universe to right, make right. things better. Now you have this, you have millions upon millions of, of, of villains that are wiping out timelines, literally just all whole universes. The, the stakes are crazy high in the Yeah, Marvel yeah. Universe. I mean, it's uh, really cool. Really cool. We're talking about a, a multiverse and they don't really say, they don't even imply it, how big it could be. But like you, you we're talking about potentially an infinite number of, of omnipotent villains <laughs> or semi-omnipotent villains. And, and it's, it's the, it's all that cool stuff from the fantastic four and the, the space faring sort of, uh, Avengers stuff that, that, that yeah, was in the, yeah, yeah. in the 60s and 70s and all the cosmic it, you know, stuff. We're, we're, we're uh, going to get a crazy Galactus and we're going to get the Eternals and, and I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. It. And it, you know, I've been actually having this discussion with Lauren too, about how, you know, uh, I didn't think they would go very big uh, uh, with the villain because it's a TV show. And she right. kept saying, well, it's th the stakes are higher. It's, you know, uh, so we see a TV show now introduce the phase four villain for all the films. Right. And it's sort of instead of, you know, the movies introducing TV elements now, like so it does level the playing field. Like the stakes in Loki are huge if we're setting these things up. And I guess the other thing that happened this week in nerd culture was the underwhelming uh, Black Widow movie. I don't know if you guys caught it. I, I did catch it. Bucks. I did. I watched it. I have not seen I, it yet. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I, en um, I enjoyed it. It, uh, it was okay for what it, for what it was. was. I enjoyed yeah. a lot of it, part of it, but it, it left me going, um, what? <laughs> I think it, it, it did all the things I it, wanted it to do, but at the same time, it suffered from the, all the things that we had speculated months ago like 
does the world care about this character the farther away from the Infinity Saga that we get? And right. the same, it's, as Andy, we just said before recording today, it suffered the same fate as the Captain Marvel movie, that it was just so out of place in the timeline that it didn't have the impact that it should have had. If this movie no. had, came out two years ago, it may have been a, you know, a, a bigger... It may have been more relevant. Um, yeah, yeah. And yeah, the interesting thing is that like what it's the opposite of what I was just talking about, and that's why I brought it up, is that Loki introduces a phase four villain to cover ostensibly the next twenty five movies, if you yep, will. Yep. And the Black Widow introduces a minor villain for a Hawkeye TV show. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that know, is so true, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. You know, it's 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 so out of place in the Marvel universe. So I don't I don't want to uh, spoil it too much, but I kind of feel like we're there now and uh so a couple sticking with Marvel for a second, we had uh, we have the first we have the canonization in an odd way of Deadpool into the MCU. This week. Yeah. Yeah. For anybody who missed that, we have uh, Deadpool, Ryan Reynolds in the Deadpool costume doing a uh, movie trailer review of a Ryan Reynolds movie <laughs> with Korg <laughs> with Korg as his special guest. Hello, I'm made of rocks. Thank you for having me, Paul. Sorry, you're dead. Jesus Christ. There you go, folks. Deadpool is now officially part of the MCU. And if nothing else, the Black Widow movie has introduced, formally introduced mutants to the MCU. Super um, neat that Korg actor is Taika Taika Waititi, who plays the villain in the the uh, Ryan Reynolds movie. movie, And he's the the director, too. That's right, yeah. So, yeah. Officially, and they uh, both trash the movie. Uh, if you listen closely, <laughs> yeah, Ryan Reynolds just goes out. It says like the the last gasp of a dying studio that Fox makes some crazy comment about Fox being just just ruined, and that you know Fox's uh, last his time, the actor's time would have been better spent concentrating on a Deadpool movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm like, whoa. Okay, this looks fun in a in a last days of Fox fire sale kind of way. Uh, fourth yeah. wall breaking, you know, mouthpiece that he is. It was perfect. I remember seeing the trailer to that movie two years ago in one of the last theaters I went to. Like I it's remember an seeing that trailer in a theater. It's an interesting trailer. It's a it's probably it's a movie that I probably will see in the same vein. I, I kind of like Ryan Reynolds a lot. It's got a you know somewhere between uh, Pixels and uh, and uh, oh my god, what's that one I just watched with? Uh, I just watched an Amazon movie with uh, the guy who plays uh, uh, Rumelow. Where okay. he kind of does this, like it's almost like a video game thing, where it's a, it's a, it's basically a take on Groundhog Day, but it's it's pretty cool. Nice. Where he can't die either, but uh, yeah. So again, just just to put that out there for those of you who missed it, Black Widow snuck a mutant into the movie. It's true. Ursa Major. Yeah, Ursa it's, Major. It's, it appeared, is true. Yeah, yeah. The actor just it blew that true. on Twitter. What yesterday? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, he just like, hey, I, I can tell you now the character that I played is Ursa Major. Hmm. And it's cool. I didn't realize the actor is like the one of the tallest working actors in Hollywood currently. Certainly one of the tallest bodybuilders on the planet at over seven feet tall. You got to see this guy. Nice. He's a giant. But yeah, so uh, sticking with Marvel I for a second. Like I'm nod to the uh, Crimson Dynamo comment in the, uh, the yeah. original. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Red Guardian's original name. Sticking with uh, Marvel for a second, I'm going to bring it back around to Star Wars with this one is uh, sure. in uh, Toy News this week, we saw the uh, the next 
Hasbro HasLab campaign was announced, and it is a 32-inch Galactus for the Marvel Legends. Yeah, so uh, 14,000 backers to uh, to fund it. As of last night, when I went to bed, it was it was it had broke five thousand. It's gonna hit. So I don't. Why know not give a corporation right your money to build something that they could probably build? Anyway. I did the math on it. That's a five point five point six million dollar campaign. Sure, five point six million dollars that Hasbro doesn't have to spend on on tool. I mean, they ultimately they do have to spend it, but they don't have to earmark that money because they can take it from you, the consumer, directly. and Directly. It's yeah. a strange yeah, marketing bizarre. thing. I, I don't I mean, I, I don't know if it'll ever go to the way of, like, you know, smaller items where they literally just fund the average figure this way. I it's can't see that scary. happening, no, no. I hope, I really hope not. And then at the same time, they do things like, at this scale, when you have 20 points of articulation in a hand. How do you even get that? Uh, Ah. <laughs> well, let's just sit there. One, the the two, larger. Three, four, five. I counted it up. There's like 15 points in my hand. So Yeah, I, I don't three, know. But three, that's... Uh, three joints per finger times four is 12, two at the thumb. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Unless you get some like mid-hand. There is. I, I have Do a Spider-Man wrist? with, with uh, definite it, mid-hand Mid-hand, stuff, yeah. So you know, I don't know. The, crazy but, but technically yeah, a, a mean, point of articulation right i mean if it's a hinge i mean if it's left and right that's two points true do you know what i mean like it's it's oh, stupid the way they justify some of this stuff right, right? Like, like some of that but the grand yeah. total i think is 70 in this figure which is yeah lots nuts. yeah lots but it's a marvel and legend if you're right? so, pushing that those kind of boundaries i like the the long game i want to see that kind of articulation in my six inch figures there's no excuse why you can't I guess so, but you know, then I see characters and and like I'll go back to the Toy Biz Legends, and it's like, do I really need toe articulation? I don't need toe articulation. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and that brings me back to Star Wars because the other rumor floating around at uh, Hasbro and Haslab is that they're about to announce the very first Star Wars six-inch Black Series campaign, and the rumor is that it is going to be. The Rancor from Return of the Jedi. So not Moochie. Yeah. Moochie, uh, not not Moochie the Rancor, the other one. No. And it, it's made it as far as StarWars.com. So uh, it's true. So how it's, much of a rumor getting... is it then if it's on the official if it's on the official website? It's getting some legs. It's it's one of the main stories. If you go just Google Star Wars news, it's up there. I tell you, I'm I have yet to back a HasLab campaign and uh not because I don't like what they're doing. I, I honestly do, but it's just, I don't one. I definitely don't have the money to lay out, you know, hundreds of dollars at one time for, for a single toy. But no, I joked about stretch goals with Andy yesterday on the Galactus thing. And, and, you know, if they're going to do the, the rancor, you know, there is a way that they could get me to bite. And that's by giving me the damn throne for Jabba that should have came with the convention figure years ago. You gave me the railing yeah. and the hookah pipe, but you gave me no throne. So. Yeah, no, that's that's very true. I there's a couple things that can make me, make me bite on this one. I I wish that there was some version of it that would come out afterwards that was a more reasonable. Uh, I'm okay with a different paint job or a lesser quality version of the the, the five hundred dollar job. That or even doing, I, something smaller. I wish there was a yeah, or it's. I would even wait a year while these people got their rancors and got to play with them and got to show them on Instagram. Yep, all yep. that. I would wait a year just to be able to, instead of the the crazy 
Have you seen the aftermarkets on the, on on the Katana? It's it's absolutely mental. I can't imagine. I haven't mental. looked at it in a while. I know it was, uh, you know, two three times as much as uh, what the campaign was asking at the time. But it, it, it's like that with anything. As soon as even mass market uh, retail toy lines are you know hitting the pegs and then they're going to uh they're going to ebay at sometimes double and triple well what did you say calcastus is going for and they just dropped yesterday i've i've seen it uh i've seen it for over 300 it's mental or or that 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 listing where it's like there's no price and when you click on it these are the available sellers yeah yeah third-party sellers there's a three-pack that was an amazon exclusive a while back that was three droids from red from red squad yeah yeah Yep. The, the dirty beat up R2 and then yep. a, uh, R2X or something. And then, um, and that was on sale. Lauren got it for me, probably 30 bucks, like 10 bucks a figure. Oh, that's good. It is almost $400 on Amazon right now. That's uh, a pass. Solid it's, pass. Like, yeah, it's, I mean, they're nice, but they're not $400 nice. And I can't, I don't, I don't know. Once the apocalypse takes, I'm just going to house. It just kills me that people (laughs) and there are people out there that like now I starting to see them creep up again is that maybe you've seen this, Andy. Power of the Force figures are creeping up on the marketplace at like thirty, forty, fifty dollars. They were in the five dollar bin and people a week d- after they came out. <laughs> people don't realize that even today a card now there is some exceptions, so don't quote me on this, but right. by and large, a power of the force figure even today, carded, ten bucks. Like ten dollars. Yeah. If That's, it's, if that it's, would be if my it's open, and then five it would be for the rare long saber <laughs> versions of that initially yeah, came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The weird paint. It would have to be a variant and in the most pristine shape. But I, I was in a sports card place in yep. Halifax. It popped up a couple of years ago and it went out of business. It didn't do very well. It's just it's, it's a bad time for that kind of thing. I think for retail. Yeah, they had a section of of uh, crazy overpriced transformers, like somebody had put them there for consignment because they had gotcha, one shelf gotcha. which is this huge. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. they had, you know, 500 of the green Power of the Force. The, yeah, the Power of the Force too, yeah. Phantom Menace, yeah, right? Yeah. And uh, they were going for $12 a pop. And I was like, man, I'll, I'll buy them all off you for right now for a buck, like each. Like, I'll get, you know, you have 50, I'll give you 50 bucks right now. And the guy yeah, was yeah. like, you're out of your mind. I'm like, yeah. Good luck. And a few weeks later, his store was closed. So. Oh, so there's no way to know. Yeah. We've seen yeah. lots. And 12 bucks, man. That's crazy. I've seen lots turn up on Marketplace lately. And it's like, I think about it. For me, in my business, like, I had a bunch of Power of the Force. And it, I still have, like, I don't know, a small handful, maybe three or four of them. But uh, they're good for kids because I can sell them at a price point where a kid can afford to buy them. So this is it. You know. I'm right on the cusp of... <laughs> I'm on the cusp of thinking about being on the cusp of thinking about getting rid of all my 3.75, except for the vintage collection. Yeah. All my five POA stuff is just taking up so much of my space. And, uh, it's hard to be a collector right now with, uh, what's going on there. Don't get me wrong. There's tons of good stuff. It's just that I can't keep up with everything yeah. that I love. So yeah. I have to be very discerning now. And, and, uh, and that's, that's the real problem with, with the, uh, with the, with the princess bride stuff coming out and, yep. and uh, Robotech stuff that's ye- on the horizon. Yes. I, I need to, I want to diversify, but I need to, to scale it back a little. So I maybe not today, but at some point we'll have a conversation over off camera and talk about how, 
one might move <laughs> Force Awakens <laughs> and Rogue One and Last Jedi figures on mass. Yeah, it could be that could be a fun conversation. Cool. All right, but that's it for me, guys. That's been uh, it's been our episode. Uh, what ten? Uh, I said. 11, 10, 11, 11, 11, 11, 11, 11, covering episode 12, rescue on Ryloth. Uh, Here, here's my theory before yeah, we go. Let's hear it. Uh, oh yeah. Based on this episode and how much of a chess game it's becoming yeah. with crosshair land a trap. Yeah. Here's a future prediction with him hunting them down. Suppose he gets a hold of Omega and uses her as bait to bring them back to Ryloth to spring a trap, which would then bring us to our tragic event for Hera. Mm hmm while still keeping the batch involved at a level we need them to be. It's possible. Even it's true. And then Boba Fett shows up and just shoots everybody. I definitely wouldn't rule that <laughs> out. And I wouldn't rule that out either. Um, if nothing more, I actually think there's a better chance at, like, we made the joke about you're never going back to Camino, which means you're absolutely going back to Camino. I think, yeah, there's, yeah, a, there I think was, there's a better there chance that that um, that there's a that whatever transpires happens at Camino. I mean, certainly we are coming back to Ryloth, and, and, but I, I still think that there's unfinished business at Camino that we have to go back for. Certainly. And the, the, the hunt, the, the crosshair hunt thing, I think may get us back there on some level. Yeah. All right, guys, any more for any more before we uh, sign off for the day? Yeah, that's well, all I that got. was really good. Yeah, so uh, not as much commentary this week as I uh, am normally accustomed to, but the, uh, the episode itself, again, lots of nuance. Uh, certainly... It's keeping us guessing, if nothing else, and I'm sure it's keeping you guessing as well. Them drawings can act. <laughs> they really can. We'll go back and uh, we'll do a, a more detailed breakdown of the uh, the Omicron class attack shuttle this week on our socials, and we'll we'll put that up with the uh, the Havoc Marauder so we can take a closer look at that. But um, hope you guys are enjoying the show. Follow us along on uh, all of our platforms. Make sure you uh, hit us up on Facebook on the uh, Fandom Power Fandom Power Podcast fan group. That's where we have all of our fun conversations that you guys can take part into. And uh, I guess until uh, until next week, guys, where we will catch you on the same batch time, same batch channel. Until then, my friends, au revoir. Have fun, guys. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to Fandom Power. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Stay tuned for our next episode where we'll be talking about another one of your favorite fandoms. Fandom Power is a Sawcast production.
Have you ever wanted to start a podcast, but you didn't know where to begin? Maybe you'd like to try podcasting without having to invest in any recording equipment. Do you have an idea for a show, but you're not sure how to develop it? Let Sawcast Productions take care of all of that so you can focus on what it is you want to say. Sawcast Productions offers podcasting solutions ranging from recording and basic editing to fully produced episodes complete with all the audio embellishments of a broadcast quality show. When your show is ready, Sawcast Productions can distribute it too. Contact us online today. So, what do you want to say?